Hello and welcome to Comics Over Time, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big screen blockbusters they inspired. We'll look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the ad- adaptation followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne, and with me as always, my good buddy Dan. Dan, how you doing? Absolutely great. Looking forward to this. this We've got a big week. We've had a really big week. We actually get a chance to finish off our review of the last two or so years of Moon Knight, both in print and on TV. Been quite a ride for us. And now all that's left is to take a look again at those trippy last two episodes of the Disney Plus show. Talk a little bit about where things might go from here. And then somewhere near the end of the show, settle that small issue of Muhammad Diab and Company versus Jed McKay and Friends. Yes. I call this the face-off of all face-offs. This is probably going to be the toughest one we've had during this entire uh, season of Comics Over Time. And uh, we also, we're going to talk about where, where we're going from here because this is, in fact, ending the current run of Comics Over Time. And like a comic book run, we're going to reboot and we're going to be doing things a little bit different going forward. But we'll get to that. We've got a lot of Moon Knight to talk about here first. And Dan, I don't. It, why don't you give us a little bit of an idea from a recap standpoint? Episodes five and six. I This is going to be if you haven't watched these episodes recently, this is going to sound a little uh, trippy, I think is probably a great word to describe it, but just give it, remind people what we saw those last two episodes so that we can talk a little bit more about uh, those and then into uh, some final discussion topics about the TV series. Yeah, I mean, the first four episodes of Moon Knight in a lot of ways were a relatively straightforward adventure show. You know, there was some crazy stuff going on with the the DID symptoms and the like that you know you'd see occasionally that there was there were some things that couldn't be explained. But at the end of episode four, the crazy friendly hippo shows up and everything just sort of explodes, right? So episode five is weird in that it involves almost no fisticuffs at all. And in fact Moon Knight himself does not appear at all in costume. Right? So this is not a superhero episode, really at all. Mark and Steven end up roaming the psych ward that they ended up in at the end of episode four. They open up some doors, gaze out over the Egyptian afterlife uh, as they are sort of sailing along in a boat through the sandy seas of the, of the afterlife. And then they end up exploring the tragedy that's at the core of Mark Spector's fractured world. By confronting the demons of their pasts, they actually hope to then be able to balance their scales because Tarret has told them that they need to do this to avoid being thrown into the sands of the Duat and essentially forever damned. Unfortunately, we get to the end of the episode and find out that they're unable to actually balance the scales. A bunch of the previously damned come up over the sides of the boat to attack, they fight them off, But after that fight, Stephen actually ends up being pulled overboard while trying to save Mark. 
Mark remains on the ship and sails off into the paradise that is the Field of Reeds, and the episode ends. Yes, somehow when Stephen goes overboard, his scale, the scales suddenly balance, and uh, he is whisked off to the Field of Reeds. And uh, yeah, you, you didn't quite do the episode justice in regards to the amount of uh, just absolute craziness going through the psych ward and everything and and the absolutely brutal childhood we found out Mark Spector went through it was this this is this is the highest rated episode asylum episode 5 is the highest rated episode on IMDb it has an 8.8 rating and that I don't even think does this episode justice I think this one actually ranks up there with the that WandaVision episode where we get that famous line from The Vision, what is grief but love persevering or whatever else in terms of just sort of, you know, kicking you right in the heart. And this was, this was a difficult episode. My wife did not deal with this episode well when it first came out. She didn't deal well with it when we rewatched it. It is really tough. Uh, because you're seeing a mother who is badly hurt, but who then deals with that in a way that inflicts massive trauma on her remaining child. And the desperation with which Mark tries to shield Stephen from that is also kind of difficult to watch. You know, it's it's like he's lost his little brother and Stephen almost becomes his little brother now, where he's trying to protect him from the world. And... You know, we go through there and see all of these different phases of Mark's life and all of the things that he's done, the people he's killed and some of the, you know, the interactions he's had with his father or with his mother in the years since. It's a very difficult episode, but it's also probably some of the best character building that we've seen in the MCU in any show. Yeah, there the I think with you know we we've seen Stephen Grant and we've seen Mark Spector up until this point. You see kind of how they interact and that and but there is an entirely new kind of dimension to their relationship during this episode. You talked about it earlier. And I was I was watching the assembled documentary on the making of Moon Knight, and the directors talked about it. And in episode five, we go from seeing Stephen Grant and Mark Spector, who we've seen in these first four episodes, as being kind of vying for control of the body and and being like completely different and kind of out for themselves almost. But in this episode, they talked about the fact that they there is this kind of brotherly love that that has developed that develops over the course of this episode. And you see Mark, like you said, trying to shield Stephen from learning the truth of his childhood and everything that happened and how uh, Stephen, it was basically a, a coping mechanism to, to deal with his his mother's anger and abuse and and that and it is 
it is gut-wrenching and like you watch it and you 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 just get so invested in all in both of those characters over the course of the episode right and then at the end of the episode if that wasn't enough then you see steven get pulled overboard trying to save mark from being pulled overboard and see steven go into this sort of frozen state as he's trying frantically to get back to to Tauret's ship. It is start to finish just a a an unbelievable episode of TV that you I I think most people that watch Marvel and like superhero and comic books things they they don't expect to see it and i and i definitely would say like the average viewer of like television and movies and things like that they there's no way you could have sat down going into that episode and act, actually thought that that was the kind of episode you could you would see it is so out of the ordinary and yet it worked so so well yeah i think that to me this is the advantage the television shows have is that you have this decompressed storytelling to where you've got now six shows, which even if they are only 30, 40 minutes, you're still talking three, three and a half hours or more of time to tell your story. And that means essentially almost like the length of two movies, two normal movies. And so there's so much more time to do those character bits and to really get inside it's what daredevil did so well in the netflix days and a lot of those other netflix shows did when they were at their best was find you reasons to really care for these characters because you'd come to understand them and to really empathize with them and you know the marvel movies can do that we get there with tony but it takes a long time to really get to the level of depth, you know? And I think that a lot of the other characters never got this loving in actual, like, emotional backstory, you know? I think they tried it with, like, Hawkeye, but again, the problem is he only ever appeared uh, up until the, the Disney Plus series in sort of these, these multi-hero pieces and even in the Disney Plus one, they then decided to play it more for laughs. So we never really did get as much out of him as I think we could have. This is a, a psychological profile of a character that just immediately makes him unique and special. And so I think we got really lucky with that part of it. Now, there were problems with it. You know, there are people who are angry because of the way that... Um, his mom was depicted as the one that was his, the one he was being combative with instead of his father. Because in the comics, it's his dad that he has problems with. And that, of course, leads then more into the idea, almost like with Daredevil, where his religion becomes a big part of what it is that, that sort of causes some of his friction. Because his father in the comics is a rabbi, right? And so there's a lot more of that sort of thing. So they changed a bunch of stuff. Uh, Randall, of course, does not die young. No, what, does not. It, 
probably would have been better off for all of us if, if he had. But he did not die young in the uh, in the comics. He he stayed around and became one of Moon Knight's biggest villains. So there's there's a lot of things that are changed here. But while I was watching it, I wasn't complaining about how things are different. I'm just like no. this is a this is a spectacular you know way to retell the story of what we know about Moon Knight. And I was never particularly satisfied with a lot of Moon Knight's early origin stuff in the comics. Right. So, I mean, I think we talked about this even during the, the wrap-up a year or so ago. I think this is a more satisfying Moon Knight origin and one that is more in keeping with the symptoms of the development of DID and the like than anything that we've seen in the comics so far. So what about episode six? We get we go through the gut punch that was episode five, but let's talk about ep- the final episode of the season. Yep. Interestingly, episode six basically just pretends episode five didn't happen, and so at the end of at the end of four, we have Mark Spector get shot and fall into a pool of water, and at the beginning of episode six, we have a couple guys grab him out of the water, pull him out. And things get started. Episode 6 also makes up for the lack of action in that previous episode. We start there and, in, in, you know, right back in the tomb of Alexander the Great, just after Mark had been shot by Harrow. But then once the bad guys get Ahmet Sushapti off of, uh, off of Mark's body, Layla ends up following them back into town. Harrow immediately starts harvesting souls on kind of a small scale at this military checkpoint. But then he heads off to the Great Pyramid, where he uses the his staff to break into the pyramid. Ends up going in and actually killing all the other avatars, and then smashes Amatsu Shapti, freeing her as this like 20-foot-tall crocodile lady into the middle of the chamber. Layla is also there and sneaks in. She actually goes and finds Khonshu's Shapti, and she breaks it. Kanchu comes out, immediately says, Mark's not around. Hey, why don't you be my avatar? Because uh-huh. he's, his dedication to his people is is astonishing, right? But uh-huh. she refuses. Uh, he goes off to fight uh, with Amit anyway. They start throwing punches and spells and the like. Taret actually finds Layla and offers her the role of her new avatar, which she does accept. Uh, and then Moon Knight ends up being revived he flies sort of Superman style from way out in the desert back to Cairo and then meets up with Harrow on the side of the pyramid. Uh, at that point, he and Layla actually face off against Harrow throughout the town and end up defeating him while the two gods have grown to the size of Kaiju and are fighting sort of with, the, the, with the pyramids the as a background. Yeah, 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 exactly. Foreground, it's the, it's the, like, the humans fighting... And in the background, there's these giant uh, gods yep. fighting uh, against yep. the pyramids. And in traditional Moon Knight fashion, the final battle is basically Moon Knight's getting beaten up, and then suddenly it cuts to black, and oh look, we've won. Which I think felt a little cheaper to me here at the end than it did at any other time. Because yes. even the actual like climax of the entire six-episode show was a cut to black 
and then show us what happened afterwards. So, yes. if ever there'd been a time to just let Moon Knight go, Moon Knight go all Moon Knight, that would have been that would have been the time. So we got anyway. we got to we got to see some some really good action up until that point. We got to see Mark and Stephen going back and forth between those two and fighting as Mr. Knight and Moon Knight, working with uh, Layla as the Scarlet Scarab. She has a costume now after she becomes Taurette's avatar, yep. save, saves a bus full, a, a girl, and, as well as a bus full of people as things are going on. But yeah, I think one of the big kind of... Um, criticisms of episode six was that the short run time was one definitely this this was closer to about 40 minutes than than say an hour as well as then that final battle sort of being abbreviated with a a blackout and suddenly come to where the action is is done uh hinting that that other uh personality uh, may have taken over that other altar had taken over and presumably uh, kicks yep. what? Yeah, and and so I I found the the last episode to be a little weird that way because moving into it, you know, when episode five finished up, like how in the world do you get this done in one hour long episode when you look at yeah. all of the stuff that needs to be completed? And instead, they're like hour. Give us half of that and we'll be fine, you know? So I I was not entirely satisfied with six. I did love some things about it. The reveal of Layla as the Scarlet Scarab was brilliant. Yes. Her her costume is actually one of the cooler costumes in the MCU, I think. It is very comic booky, even though yeah. it actually was never, you know, it, it debuted here. So they made it from scratch. But when she first unfurls her little razor wing things and takes off, it looked pretty spectacular. And overall, you know, the, the fight was okay. I just think it, it, had, it bothers me now more than I think it did at the time. That you had this thing that had developed as such a very intricate, well-designed, well-acted character piece about a troubled superhero that then just turned into a muddy cgi spectacle with a bunch of of you know animated characters punching each other to end it i think i would have liked i mean it doesn't have to be two visions talking about the ship of theseus but it, it could have been something a little bit more germane to what the rest of the series had been doing because it, it did turn into just a very generic punching match at the end. And that, eh, yeah. Yes. I loved, it, I loved it, episode as, five. As, as far away from the expected episode five was, I think episode six went entirely in the expected realm, right? We, we've seen the big third act spectacle things that, that, Yep. Marvel in the cinematic universe and on t uh, on their other TV shows have done, and I think I think something like 
Loki, and I think something like WandaVision did a better job of that final confrontation uh, that that had been built up through throughout the entire mm-hmm. season. Uh, but we didn't, yeah, we got we got a little bit of it. We got to see, you know, Moon Knight doing Moon Knight things. And we got to see the Scarlet Scarab do do some cool things as well in in a uh, in in that capacity, mm-hmm. but it was it was sort of just a little bit of a letdown uh, with regards to how they didn't quite stick the landing. I guess is is the way I would put it that they that it was it was a good series, but the but yes, the, the, if there was one thing that that really stuck out, it's. It's that episode six. Yeah, and they really can't help themselves. I mean, if you look back at WandaVision, much the same thing. You know, the the Wanda versus Agatha, big CGI mud spectacle at the end, sure. was very similar to this. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are sometimes they do it a little different, but you just, I think, have to, at this point, accept that that's the Marvel way. Now... When they were making a billion and a half dollars on every attempt doing it this way, maybe we gave it more leeway. That might also be one of these, you know, maybe you've, you you went to the well a few times too many on that one. It's time to try something different. But nonetheless, I think it was a, it was a relatively satisfying ending. We, at the end, have a new status quo for Moon Knight in that at least Stephen and Mark believe they've renegotiated a better deal with Conchu to get themselves free of him. Uh, looks like Layla is content to continue on as the uh, as the Avatar. There are a few things that are weird. One of them is that Mark slash Stephen is still waking up alone, chained to a bed in London, which I'm not exactly sure why that is, right? Nah. Where's Layla at this point? Why have they not moved on to a different place and a, a better situation. Um, and then, of course, there's the after scene where Harrow is shot in the face by the third person, the third uh, the third altar. Another altar, yes. yes. And, and his name is given. Obviously, we see Jake Lockley. Uh, this is one of the things that I know some people have been concerned about. There's this idea of the, the evil altar that folks talk about DID don't like to see sort of perpetuated and that's that idea that within one of these DID systems there's going to be one or more sort of uh, alters who is is the bad one that does evil things or whatever and that that's kind of a harmful depiction uh, it's also a really harmful depiction of Jake in that everything we've seen in the comics that really is not Jake Lockley especially lately uh, and in fact um that is probably one of the places where Jed McKay and the show diverge most wildly is in their depiction of Jake Lockley. But, so, hadn't watched this in a while. What did you think of it? What did you think in rewatch? Overall, I think this was actually a a really great series. And, like, it was, mm-hmm. it, it held up really well for the most, for for the most part, I, I think I think I'm actually a little bit more down on episode six now than I was initially, uh, but I think I've actually grown to appreciate kind of the first five episodes more mm-hmm. so than I did during the initial rewatch. 
it is it was and and yeah episode five just good grief man that's just so so crazy just crazy in so far as it's just so unexpected and so just tugs at your heartstrings and makes you feel and think about everything that you've saw you just sort of sit there in just kind of mouth gaping awe when the episode ends and the credits start and it's just you're like how did i i would i just did this again and i knew it was coming and it still hurt just as much as i saw it the first time yeah yeah when we started the episode steph steph actually was like oh is this that episode i'm like yes she's like she I think she almost got up and left yeah, I don't need any more of this. But it it is so good. It's it is worth watching again. I think I would agree though that I did not expect to enjoy it as much coming back and not having watched it and being sort of out of the every week is moon night week mode that we were in a couple of years ago. But in actual fact, it really holds up as a a series that tries to do something different and does it successfully. You know, I would say that outside of the the last one, sort of just maybe they ran out of budget and they're like, look, we just got to wrap this thing up because we've got no more money or something. But the first five and a half episodes, five and a quarter episodes, were some of the best Marvel television and maybe I would say would be better than at least half of the movies. You know, so it's, it is nice to see. So I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I think that this could be a way forward for Marvel a little bit in that this is the sort of stuff that people would maybe still be looking for rather than just more of your, you know, exploding hands, superheroes looking, looking grim sort of stuff. So we'll see. So we talked about Ethan Hawke and his role as Arthur Harrow last week when we talked about the first four episodes. I want to talk about Oscar Isaac playing the role of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. And of course, in the after scene for sure, and potentially some other spots throughout the series, Jake Lockley. Mm -hmm. He was phenomenal and episode five showcases that to a t i i'd have to say he played all the altars so very differently and you could tell there were very clear differences between them not just you know the the sort of weirdish sort of londony accent that stephen grant had or the the Chicago accent that, that, that he gave Mark Spector, you were never confused between Mark and Steven when he, who, who he was on screen. And it was, mm -hmm. it was really, really something. And, uh, you know, my, my wife talks about the fact that his eyes felt different depending on which character he was. And, and she's not alone, actually. Aaron Moorhead, one of the directors for two of the episodes, said that, you know, you could show him a still shot from anything that they shot 
of Oscar Isaac, and he would be able to tell you which character he was playing just by looking at him. His, yep. He said his eyes, the way he held himself, they were completely different depending on which character he was playing. And, and, and yep. he, he, he did the, he, he said one of the things that drew him to this is that it was a character study and he really worked on these characters a lot. He, he uh, apparently developed the Stephen accent at home, just trying it out. And it kind of grew once he learned that this was going to be set in London and, you know, kind of tried to go for for a, a little bit different accent and ended up being in, in the show. And, and he was actually filming the different uh, when he was Steven, he would film on one day when he was filming as Mark, he would film on different days. And so a lot of the Steven stuff was done early in the series where it's done early on during filming and that by the end he would be able to go back and forth between the two characters in the same scene and so like the cliff scene in episode three where he where he suddenly comes to and all the all the bandits that he was fighting are yep. dead and steven and and mark are arguing over who did it and he's talking to a reflection he's going back and forth as those two characters in that scene. And it is, and they feel like two, two completely different characters, depending on who's talking. It is, it is yep. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's rumors that his uh, accent is the British accent is actually quite controversial. It has its detractors and defenders all over the internet. There are some folks who are, who are like, it's perfectly reasonable. There's others who, who just can't, can't stand it. But um, I think it really worked by the end. Everything about each of those characters was distinct and was interesting, and you could you never you never had to really worry about doing any kind of mental gymnastics to be able to follow along, because he just made it easy. So you know. yeah, yeah. Uh, so in. in... Watching watching the assembled uh, documentary, they he talked about being a comic book fan growing up, but not knowing Moon Knight. So he kind of dived into the the comics one once he, he got the role. He actually tried uh, studying uh, dissociative identity disorder (DID) uh, to try and understand how that worked. And he he talked about reading a fractured mind, which is a two thousand five uh, memoir. Uh, from Robert B. Oxnum, who learned through therapy in his 40s that the blackouts, depression, alcoholism that had plagued him were the result of 11 distinct personalities. And so, you know, he talked about that being his Bible and, and, and to totally understand the character that he was playing, he, you know, this helped him go a long way towards doing that. And it... Mm -hmm. It worked. I, th I think, obviously, I think they did a really good job of, of while not perfectly, they they did show what that is like and and what that can feel like for the different alters in the system, and and it just, it, it, seeing the same guy do that 
throughout this whole series is just it, it's it's something it's like hey yes he's an actor and i knew he was a good actor before being in this series but i think of him in an entirely new level now after after seeing this series excellent yeah very cool no i would i would agree we got extremely fortunate to have him and really the entire cast and and crew because it was a a talented bunch of people that put this together so also one thing we didn't talk about last time that as we're finishing up kind of the last thing heading out was they they spun up Engelbert Humperdinck again as they were closing out the credits and the music again spot on you know this yeah. is not Guardians of the Galaxy where it's all 70s hits that are going to be going through your mind all the time but the music is so appropriate and it fits and it really does set the mood in so many different places during the episodes. I think this is actually a phenomenally scored episode. Or series, not not episode. Right. Right. Alright, so we've seen Moon Knight in the comics over the last 30 issues. We've seen yep. the TV series and the six episodes. Now, I I think we should talk about where we think Moon Knight is going, the future of Moon Knight, because there's in both places there there's a lot of directions that this could go, and and I think maybe we'll we'll start with the comics because we got a glimpse as to where Moon Knight might be headed in the first issue of Vengeance of the Moon Knight, which which came out. Uh, about a week ago now, maybe maybe two, uh, uh, and it was it was interesting because because we, as we left Moon Knight at the end of the the thirty thirty books of the Moon Knight comic, Mark Spector died along with Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley at the hands of the Black Spectre. And we didn't know where this series was going to go. And we we got a little bit of a... We, we started to see where Jed McKay was going to take us next in, in issue one. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about that? Why are you bothering with any of this? What future? He's, he's dead in the comics and canceled on TV. There is no future, Dwayne. It's done. We need to, There's, there's got to be a... We need for, to just for run somebody away who's and hide. been for somebody who's been around for the seven since the seventies. I refuse to believe that he is totally, totally gone. No, and in fact, it, I mean, in Invention Moon Knight number one, and if you haven't read that and you are waiting for it uh, or haven't gotten around to it, this is a spoiler. So go a few few seconds forward or whatever. But they they almost begin to imply that in actual fact the Moon Knight that has returned is at least the body of Mark Spector and friends. Whether it's actually Mark Spector running the body now may be in question. I think that the idea that maybe this is, you know, he's been taken over by some of the uh, the other older Fists of Conchu or something's possible. It could be that it's it's also somebody else. But we've now seen Moon Knight come into the building with 
all of the Moon Knight or all of the Midnight Mission regulars hanging around. So we know it's none of them. And and it's not and it's not Eight Ball because Eight Ball ended up getting beaten up beaten pretty up. badly, mm-hmm. and we and it may have been the Moon Moon Knight that did it actually. It appears so, yeah. So that's unfortunate. So poor poor Eight Ball, but. No, in actual fact, I think the future for Moon Knight, at least in the comics, is extremely bright. The This vengeance of... I really enjoyed. And I enjoyed it because I've come to love the supporting cast enough that I'm perfectly fine with Moon Knight taking a little vacation wherever he happens to be. He's deserved... Maybe he's back in Mexico, hanging out with Wolverine or whatever, right? Sure. But that that would be fine. Because what we got instead was wildly entertaining. I especially love the like two or three pages where Tigra is out um, on the say, hunt again. Strong, yeah, uh, aggressively interrogating people, trying to find out how to get to Black Spectre. And Reese comes and sort of has a showdown with her. And you can see these are two very strong personalities. So. I'm I'm perfectly okay with the characters we have right now and getting a chance to explore that and see what they've got going on. I would I would be really unhappy if Mark Spector does not makes the miraculous recovery that every comic book character makes at some point, right? And I fully expect that. But I think that the future is pretty bright for the comic book right now. You know, there are a lot of good things going on there. I think the fact that the like the main Moon Knight book went thirty issues before it ended, and it kept the same writer and artists throughout all thirty, and that they decided they wanted to keep telling stories mm-hmm. with some of the characters that they that you know that they had built the Moon Knight stories around in this second in this second book vengeance of the moon knight speaks to just how bright the future is for for moon knight in the comics i think i think the 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 tv show definitely helped as well uh to to bring more eyeballs to to the character uh i feel like there's a lot more name recognition for moon knight for mark specter for stephen grant for jake lockley than there ever was myself included when when we were first talking about this i had no idea who these characters were and now you know i'm still on a pull list to get to get books at my local comic book store so it's i i I agree this is if you're a moon knight fan uh, this is this is a great time because i don't think even even if the Vengeance of the Moon Knight only goes six issues or ten issues or twelve issues or whatever, and and Jed McKay moves on. I don't think it'll be very long until we have another, you know, writer artist creative team that that decides to take up Moon Knight again because I just don't think that that they're gonna let a a popular character just kind of languish in obscurity for an extended period. Well, and, and to sort of piggyback off your statement about the 30 issues, that's one of the things that with my daughter and I starting to do this other podcast with the What's New on Marvel Unlimited, 
I had not realized how rare it was these days for a Marvel book to get to 30 issues. Like last year, there were only, I think, three non-Star Wars comics that were over 30 um, in Marvel. You had X-Force, Wolverine, oh, actually four, Amazing Spider-Man, and Thor. And then there were a couple canceled last year, like New Mutants and stuff that had made it, I think, maybe end of 2022 or something. But it's really unusual. So the fact it made it to 30 issues, it's right up there with the most popular characters that Marvel has right now. And when it was canceled, the book did not take any time off, right? So I would be not entirely surprised if you're right about the, the six issues. Sounds right to me, actually. That this is going to be a resurrection story. Almost like that four-issue miniseries back in the day where right. Morbius... Mench used Morbius to bring him back, where this this will be maybe six issues. It will be the story of how Moon Knight comes back. And then they'll probably spin up with another brand new title. Um, hopefully, we get to keep McKay again. Although, to be quite frank, in modern comic books, a 30 to 35 issue run is almost all you're allowed to do. It, it's really unusual. And so it would not surprise me if after vengeance he is he is off to do something else. Uh, but that will be a that will be a sad day. I actually saw something on social media a little while ago where I believe uh, Noel Noel Tate was was actually talking to McKay about how he may be within a couple issues of equaling Doug Mensch for most lifetime Moon Knight stories written. And really? McKay's like, I may have to quit. I'm not sure I should be <laughs> passing the master. But I think by the time he's done with this, he will have actually passed Doug Mensch in terms of mainline Moon Knight branded Moon Knight stories. So kind of crazy. So one thing I do want to ask you, though, is in the comics specifically, do you th we, we saw a, you know, we see Hunter's Moon as another Fist of Conchu. We saw yep. in that short story with Blade that there was another Fist of Khonshu. Do you think we're going to see a comic book series with other avatars of Khonshu, other Fists of Khonshu? That would be interesting. But the, the problem really is I just don't know if you can replace Mark Spector the way you can replace Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, Peter Parker is mostly sort of, you know, smart teenager, right? You can take a smart teenager of pretty much any gender, race, or psychological profile, and you can make them Spider-Man and tell fun stories with it. But Moon Knight is so wrapped up in sort of his particular psychological situation and his his particular backstory. You could tell other tales with other fists of Khonshu, but I don't think you can just call them Moon Knight. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, if they make more Hunter's Moon type characters, yeah. The other problem, though, is it seems like literally one has to go away for another one to come around. Like, probably... That um, that 
woman who was the Moon Knight that Blade interacted with in the 70s more than likely met a nasty end somewhere between like 1974 and 1976, right? Right. And that's yeah. how there was a job open. And so because of that, I, I'm suspicious of how that would work. But it certainly is possible. The other thing is, you know, now that we have a Scarlet Scarab wandering around, we have another avatar of another Egyptian deity. It's also very possible that the avatars of some of the others will get involved and we'll start to see almost more like a, uh, an Asgardian type situation where we get more and more of the, uh, of the heroes from the Egyptian pantheon bringing out avatars and interacting with Moon Knight. Yeah, I I think I agree with you insofar as I don't think you can call anything else Moon Knight. And so then you then what do you call them and how how you know how does that how does that look? And while I think it would be really interesting to see some of those stories, uh I think maybe the way we're kind of the way we got glimpses of them, you know, with Hunter's Moon and this, and then and in that short story with Blade, I think that seems like the extent of of how we're going to do it. Plus, you know, I think part of the um, part of the appeal of Moon Knight is Mark slash Stephen slash Jake, and so they're they're really intertwined right now, and it would be really difficult, I think, to pull them apart and have it be as successful. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, black, white and blood moon Knight from just a couple of years ago, did that sort of, it had a number of moon Knights from the future and things like that. And then it also told stories with the, with, you know, the, the regular moon Knight system. And so eh, we will see. I'm, I'm willing to at least let people try again the weird thing is that the one thing you can kind of depend on with Moon Knight is it's going to change. And and that is, I think, one thing I kind of have come to love about it, is everybody comes in and they have a new take. And so it would be, it would be a little ridiculous to say, well, I don't want it to change, because the one thing I know I like is that it changes. So we'll just see what happens. One last comment I want to make before we, talk, we switch over to the MCU is the cover for vengeance of the moon knight number one is david finch drawing moon knight for i think the first time probably since his run way back in the early 2000s and i absolutely love this art on the, on this uh on this comic book so if you have not seen the cover of vengeance of the moon knight definitely check that out mine came with the capullo cover which is also um, very nice but is is not uh, is not Finch. So there you go. Well played. Right. So over to the MCU, we know we've seen six episodes. We've one, seen... one thing before we leave. Also, want to note that speaking of art, Alessandro Capuccio just keeps getting better. I think one thing that is is not appreciated all that often is that this is really his first major comic work. Like, he basically came in and Marvel's like, hey, 
It's your first job. Why don't you take Moon Knight? And he's he's just absolutely like blown the doors off of the book. Crushed it. But absolutely. because of that also, if you look at the last two or so years, his evolution as an artist has really been impressive. There's a lot of stuff now that he's doing that is a lot more detailed. I think a lot of his emotion is a lot better. His storytelling's a lot better. And I enjoyed it when he started. But right. it's just gotten more and more, and I don't want to say polished, because polished isn't his style. It's almost like, in some ways, watching the way that Sienkiewicz just discovered his style as he was wandering through Moon Knight. The thing of it is, he perfected his craft. Like, he is, yep. he is because of repetition, because of just doing the work day in and day out for the last, you know, two years, he has developed the style that is now his style and, it, and it kind of perfected his own, his own work. So, so that's another thing we've been very lucky about is Cappuccio and Sabatini have turned in some really nice work along with McKay. So it's, and, and Rachel Rosenberg, the colors on this book yes. are fantastic. Yes, they are. And I assume that, you know, the lettering is also spectacular. Everything on this book is awesome, right? Yes. So there we go. All right. Now switching over to the MCU, we, we had these six episodes in 2022 that, that ended in May. We know Oscar Isaac has told Variety and a bunch of other places he's not contractually obligated to remain in the MCU after the Moon Knight series ended. We saw some pictures from Mohamed Diab and Oscar Isaac potentially in Egypt during the fall of like in the in the months that followed the TV series ending, as well as you know some hints and rumors and all this sort of thing, but nothing has come to fruition as of yet. Dan, do you think we're ever going to see Oscar Isaac summon the suit again in, in a TV show, in a movie, in anything? So I think he actually, from everything I've heard, all the people who made that show enjoyed it and they enjoyed working together and they had a good time. So I don't think there's anything particular that would preclude another season. But everything about it, when when you finish watching it, just seemed to me that it was done. They did six issues, and they told a great story. But, you know, if, if you're planning on continuing on, do you shoot your your primary villain in the head? at the end of the of the series. Sure. No. If you Probably have Ethan Hawke and you want to make another series, why would you not leave it open to be able to bring him back? You know, they they solved a lot of the major character beats that needed to be solved for Moon Knight in that show. And while I I don't think there's any reason they couldn't bring him back, the amount of time that's passed now makes it seem very unlikely. The fact that Marvel has already got its release calendar out through 2026 and it's not on there makes it seem very, very unlikely. Because now you're talking almost a decade 
between the shows by the time that you know if they announced it now and they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna make another moon night it'll still be a couple of years or more of development so you'd be talking 2028 2029 before that thing would be out so i just find it very unlikely and and to a certain extent that saddens me to a certain extent there's part of me that has sort of that same idea i had for decades with blade runner which is i was terrified they would make a sequel so i'm like i really liked this it doesn't need a sequel. All you can do is screw up something that I really liked and something that has become precious to me. So why don't we just leave it there? I will just take my modest chip winnings that I have and rather than bet it on a, a season two where maybe you guys just screw it up so that you ruin the first one for me. Right? So... I don't actually think that at least in its current iteration, we're going to see another Moon Knight. It's even possible, as we've seen with Ms. Marvel, that they've got plans to bring Moon Knight into the MCU sometime in the future, and they've literally killed off Mark Spector so that they can bring back Moon Knight as another character that they want to cast in the MCU. That is not entirely impossible. No. Because there is that synergy. Definitely not, yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see Oscar Isaac play Mark and Steven and Jake, as well as, uh, you know, Moon Knight again. It, it's, it saddens me. I would love to see him at least as a cameo in a movie. I would love to see that happen. Um, mm -hmm. But I just don't see it happening. It just, as you said, it just, you, you, you want you see some of the rumors you you see these you know the actors and actresses talking about how much they enjoyed the doing the show and everything and even the assembled documentary talks at the very end when they're wrapping up the episode they they talked about you know there there are still plenty of stories we can tell with these characters as they as they end the episode and you're like yeah so tell us some of those stories please but it just, yeah, it, because of the way Marvel does things and they're trying to, seems like they're trying to cut back a little bit, potentially after the writers and, and actors strikes, uh, it, it doesn't seem likely. And, you know, I, I have in here and you kind of talked to this, which was, would we ever, would they ever bring back the character with another actor? Like, you know, like we saw with like say professor xavier in the x-men series where they had all those no. movies where they had somebody other than patrick stewart playing playing professor xavier i i definitely could see that happening we're seeing that actually over in the the dc eu where they're you know with superman and and re rebooting that and finding new actors and everything as well i think that's more likely than than oscar isaac showing up as as Moon Knight in an MCU property going forward, unfortunately. Well, and if it's a cameo, I could see that happening. Because yeah. cameos, you know, if they they throw a bag of cash at, at an actor and they show up on set for two days and then there's this little fan service type cameo, that could certainly happen. I think, though, that just with how detached Moon Knight has been from the rest of the MCU it's less likely with him than with a lot of them. Right. You know, unless 
unless it's just a matter of, hey, we want to actually prove to people that it wasn't a fever dream and that Moon Knight really is supposed to be considered a, an actual show. Which, having watched it, I now believe that the Moon Knight show, everything did happen. The dream was in the thing, but they just were a little sloppy about the way they did some of the clues in a way that I think is unfortunate. So I'm no longer conspiracy theorying as much as I was, uh, but I still I still do wish they'd they'd have been a little more careful with some things. To your point about that, during the assembled documentary, there was there was a comment made by Ethan Hawke that I absolutely loved that, that you reminded me of by saying that, which is he's like I'm not I don't think I'm necessarily the villain in this piece. He's like, there is an argument that I can give you that suggests this is all, all a dream and that I am the, you know, the, the, the psychiatrist just trying to help this struggling person deal. And that the whole show is basically a, a the, the, the thoughts of, of this troubled individual he's trying to help and that he's being, you know, portrayed that way. And, and it's, 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 it was really interesting to hear that and, and see, and think about some of the comments you've made about the, the TV show as a result of it. It's like, yeah, you're not the, you're not the only one. Yep. It, I, I still, I mean, I think if you wanted to continue to, it it's perfectly reasonable to say it was all, actually all in his head, but I'm no longer going to go out on the line and say yes, it absolutely was. I'm fine either way. Whatever whatever makes people happier and makes them enjoy the show more, that's what they should they should think. But the fact that we still can have those arguments though is why I think it will continue to be something that people like. There's actually some challenging aspects to it, you know. There's a lot of shows out there that you get done watching them and there's nothing really to, there's nothing there to challenge your worldview or to change, challenge the way you think about, you know, reality. You know, I mean, sometimes you watch a show like Inception by Christopher Nolan and everything's just up for grabs and you come away from it and you can go out and hang out and, you know, have have 1 a.m. pancakes and just fight with your friends about this thing for hours, right? Sure. I think Moon Knight's that kind of show. And oh. because of that, it will always have a certain audience that's going to enjoy it. No, I, I would definitely agree. So if you could choose, what, what would you want to see happen with Moon Knight in the MCU? I would love to see him come back regardless because i mean the simple fact is that played by a really quality actor it's always better to see your favorite characters in as many places as you can rather than to not see them and i in actual fact gravitate towards the parts of moon knight that were highlighted in the show so i like the psychological sort of complexities of him i like the fact that he is all about trying to sort of make up for the sins of the past. I enjoyed the things they did. I know that 
there's a good chance that if they do it again, it will be a more traditional superhero narrative and everything else. Because you're not going to retell that tragic story too many times, right? It would be more of a, a punching sort of show, probably. That would be a lot of fun, too. I don't know how, how interesting that would be for the actors who are involved, you know? So, but yeah, I would love to see him, you know, join up with the Avengers. Why not? Bring him on in. So. We know how well he plays with others. Yeah. So, you know. I, mean, I would I would love to see West Coast Avengers. You've got him and Tigra and Wonder Man and all of these. So they've got a lot of the characters who are West Coast Avengers that they've started to bring in. So they can do it. But huh. I'm not holding my breath. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I I definitely would love to see Moon Knight again. I I would settle for an Oscar Isaac cameo in a movie. I would prefer something more interesting slash challenging, hopefully with Oscar Isaac, but probably with somebody else, given when it's probably going to be put on a schedule as far as like the phases uh, of the MCU. But I, I hope that isn't the last time we see Moon Knight in the MCU. I will say, I think I would rather not see him again than see him in one of those cheesy cameos. I would actually rather keep him completely separate than just have him fly in to rescue a bunch of refugees and drop a couple of, of jokes and then leave. Would, I don't think that's how they would do the cameo because no. that doesn't. That would drive me a little nuts. This isn't Loki we're talking about here, so um, I don't know. So, just yeah. I, I think there, I think there's a way you could do a, a cameo with Oscar Isaac that would make sense, and I, so I would probably see yeah. it. But but I don't, I don't know when it would happen, so. Like you, I don't think it's actually going to happen. And because of how separated it is from the rest of the MCU, uh, it, you know, they had an opportunity that they could have brought in. They talked about bringing in some of the uh, gods from the Eternals, and that didn't happen uh, because they decided they wanted to keep it separate. So, yeah, I, th I think the odds of a cameo are basically zero. So, uh, talked about this for a while we're uh heading into the end of the show which means we do actually have to have our face off Dwayne's face off to end all face offs who did it better moon knight comics starting in 2021 going through basically current they're written by jed mckay art by alessandro capuccio for the most part with a number of issues by federico sabatini colored brilliantly by rachel rosenberg and lettered by Corey Petit. So, great stuff. Uh, currently, there's 30 issues of that, plus the one uh, Vengeance, which we're not going to be judging on here. We're just going to go the 1 through 30. And then the Moon Knight TV show, starring Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, Mae Kalemway, F. Murray Abraham, a number of other folks, directed by Mohamed Diab, Aaron Moorhead, and Justin Benson. So, Dwayne, what's your pick on this? Which one did you like more? This is incredibly difficult. I 
there there are a lot of things that I like about both of these. I I think that um the Jed McKay run of the Moon Knight comics are going to be they are kind of the Patrick Stewart slash David Tennant when it comes to this is my Moon Knight. Uh, the, these are these are the the books that got me there. Uh, the TV show was absolutely fantastic. I could not uh, begin to talk about how great a job Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke did in their roles. I thought uh, Mohammed Diab, Aaron Moorhead, Justin Benson did fantastic shooting it. I think that it is a step above almost anything else. Uh, in the TV show sphere that has been done, it, it is one of like the three best, right up there with Loki and and WandaVision. And so there is th- this is tough. And I am going to tell you that I'm going to surprise you. I think, and I'm going to tell you it is the comics that went out to, for me this week because it is. This is such an incredible story, and it was so well done. It was written well. It was paced well. It was, uh, like you said, Alessandro Capuccio and Federico Sabatini did such a fantastic job on the art. Rachel Rosenberg did a fantastic job on the colors to make everything just look absolutely fantastic. I... I loved the characters that they brought in, the new characters that we hadn't seen before. I, you know, it's it, it's crazy if you would have told me that we were going to read a book of Moon Knight comics that didn't have uh, Frenchie, didn't yep. have Crowley, didn't have Marlene, no Gina, no Marlene, no Gina, none none of those characters. <laughs> yeah, it, it just it was. Hmm so unexpected i just did not i just i just can't even describe that how unexpected it was that i ended up finding myself just really loving this and there was no there was no letdown at any point and i and i and i say that because the tv show sort of let us down a little bit in that final episode that it just it is it was start to finish just a fantastic series and and it would be one that if it was like tell us about moon knight or where should we start if we want to learn moon knight this these books would be the books i would want to show someone very cool about you dan so you actually hit on a number of the things that that really helped make the decision for me i I enjoyed both of them, but when I actually sat down and thought about it, I started pondering. One of the things that when we're reviewing stuff, I think I've always tried to to mention, and I've said it a number of times with some of the, the more oddball movies that Marvel's come out with, is I try to review things based on what the creators intended and what they wanted to give us rather than what I would have done. Right? So, I really enjoyed the Moon Knight TV show. But it's not what I would have done. Right? Right? Sure. I really enjoyed the Moon Knight comic book. 
it's not what I would have done, but it's a lot closer to being traditional Moon Knight in a way that felt more, that, that felt less jarring. You know, I, I feel like the comic took decades of Moon Knight mythology and it stripped away some of the elements that it wanted to get away from so it could try something new. And it added new things in, like all the Fists of Khonshu and Hunter's Moon. And it added all these new characters in. And somehow it did all of this. And almost because it stripped away everything familiar, it really allowed us to accentuate who Moon Knight was and to really keep and, and build on the core of the character. And everything from the fact that, you know, he's, he's lonely at the start, he's broken down, he's lost everybody, but he's still trying to do something right, to the fact that he dies in the exact same building that he died in 20 years ago, just strikes me as, as no perfect. You know, that there are times when I, when I rewatched the Moon Knight TV show where I'm like, I think they're just making this shit up as they go along. Right? Because there were parts of it that I just, I went through, like, I had spreadsheets and diagrams, and I looked like that guy in the meme with the, with the <laughs> yes. you know, the, I mean, it's always sunny, yeah. the strings on the, on the wall, trying to figure <laughs> out how some of these things work together. And I, I fundamentally believe they don't all. And when you look at the, the Moon Knight series that McKay put together, everything works together. Every character is there is there because they belong. Everybody has a role within the narrative. And it just seems like he knew from day one he was going to kill this guy. And that that was then going to open another chapter. And he built it up and he earned our trust and he made it to where when he did finally decide to do it, we're like, I kind of hate you, but I also kind of trust you. So we're going to go with this and see what happens. Right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And in exactly the way that the Moon Knight TV show did not stick the landing entirely. And it didn't do a bad job of it. But it really peaked with episode five. And then just sort of, you know, reopened shop for a couple of days to put things on clearance and then closed up and went home for the weekend on right. in, in episode six. The Moon Knight series just absolutely sort of stuck the landing it knew what it wanted to do and it's like we're gonna kill him and then it killed him and it brought us new villains and it brought us a new storyline and it set up a new status quo i think one of the interesting things is there's a lot of marvel comics that are tough to get into right now if somebody is not a moon knight fan maybe one of the best times to get into moon knight in ages because when vengeance number one comes out like, you know, we're, my daughter and I are reading on Ultimate. It'll come out in like two months. And they'll be confused, but not much more confused than, than I am, right? Because everything, everything's been completely blown apart. And so it's, it's one of those times that, that is a, a fine time to start up. I, I think he's, there's nothing against the, the TV show. I think it was a fantastic TV show. And I'm I liked it more than all but a couple of the the Marvel uh, TV 
offerings. You know, the original Daredevil on Netflix, and then probably WandaVision I still would put ahead of it, because I really enjoyed those. But it's a, it's a really, really well done show. But yeah, McKay's book, it's it's been solid all the way through, and it it just opened up so many new avenues that we can pursue. And that may also be coloring my perceptions is that, you know, Moon Knight in the MCU may be a closed door. So any of the stuff they've done, you know, how, what what's this really building towards? Maybe nothing. You know, if uh, if we were seeing a bunch of development going on, it might it might color things differently. So I'm gonna agree with you. McKay McKay wins. McKay wins this round. I'm not surprised that you said that. I am a little surprised that I said that. Because that's not <laughs> something that happened very frequently as we were going through and, and doing these no. face-offs. So, as I said, this was the face-off to end all face-offs. So. Well, and you were more invested in this one from a comic standpoint than you've been for really any of the other ones. That and is the true. The fact that you've, you've read all of these books made it more likely that you were going to be sympathetic to our cause than, uh, than you might have been during some previous attempts so all right so this ends our current season of comics over time but just like loki and hopefully moon knight at some point though it's looking unlikely we're going to be back with a new season very soon this time taking a look at comics as a whole while focusing on on one character who's been around since the 1960s Matt Murdock and his man without fear alter ego Daredevil. I want to let you know a couple things about about the next season. The podcast is actually going to be switching release days. It is moving from Wednesdays to Thursdays. So every Thursday is when you're going to be getting new episodes of Comics Over Time. We'll still be getting the Tuesday episodes of the Marvel Unlimited podcast uh, with Dan and Sienna. You will be getting two podcasts each week on your feed uh, once we start up the new season. That new season is going to start on February 1st. We're taking next week off to finalize uh, everything so that we can we can give you a, a, a great product right from the get-go. That, that first uh, episode is going to kind of be setting the stage, letting you know what we're going to be talking about each week and focusing on comics from 1961 through 1963, the lead up to Daredevil's introduction uh, to, to comic books and us. And then the week after, February 8th, our first episode will, our, our first year episode will begin with 1964 in the introduction of Daredevil. The, Dan, yeah. this is, Dan, this is something you've been We've been talking about for a little while. This is something that, that you, I think, have had in your head for even longer than that. And, and I'm excited, well, I'm excited to kind of about do this. this. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a, a lot to try and sort out. What we're going to do is every year, every week, we're going to talk about a year of comics, focusing on Daredevil in terms of story, but then sort of building out what's going on with the Marvel Universe of overall both the like the creators that are there 
what's going on in the industry, a little bit of what's going on in, in America and the world, so that we get a little bit of context for why some of these comics might be doing what they are. Um, yeah, this is going to be a fun project. It's going to be going to be interesting. Looking forward to it, and I hope all of you folks are there and uh, voyaging along with us. We are unfortunately taking next week off. I know we've taken a few different breaks here recently because of the holidays and things. We apologize for that, but we we just we have a few things that we want to iron out first to make sure that that this is the best thing that you could be listening to that we can provide you. So, so we appreciate your patience with that. We will be back on February 1st. I'm reading a ton of old comics right now too, and it is taking me quite a while to get through them. So this yeah. is allowing me an extra week to try and get further ahead than I already am. Cause I'm not as far ahead as I probably should be. So with that, I I'm really excited about this. I, Daredevil is a character I've liked for for some time as well since seeing the the Netflix TV series and I've definitely been interested in, in checking him out uh, in the comics and now I'm we're going to be doing a, a very deep dive into into that character as well as kind of that lar larger thing that that's going on in comics uh, each year and seeing year to year how things change. Uh, in at Marvel and in comics in general. So we definitely yep. hope that you will stick around and join us for the new season. Yes. Dwayne thinks that he's having a tough time keeping up now, by the way, he's going to be crying by the time we get about a year in. So uh, there you go. Good luck to you, Dwayne. You're going to need it. We're, we're not reading everything in the Marvel universe, but we're reading a lot, a lot. So there, there, there you go. There, there is a lot. And with that, that is going to wrap it up for us for this week. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode of the new season as soon as it's released. Whether you're new to the podcast or you've been with us from the beginning, we'd love to get your thoughts about the show. We'd also love to get ratings. We've been, we haven't asked for a little while. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It would really go towards helping others find find the show, uh, especially Absolutely. as we as we move into the new season, uh, focusing on Daredevil. But if you want to send us some comments, you can send us to those via email. That address is comments at comicsovertime.com. Or you can reach out to us via social media. We're on X or Twitter at Comics Over Time. We're also on Blue Sky at Comics Over Time. Dan, it has been a fun ride this season going through phases one through most of four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as well as some of phase five uh, as the new stuff came out, as well as we sprinkled in a few other comic book movies throughout uh, throughout the the uh, the time doing this, I'm very much looking forward though to to getting into a deep dive of comic book history and taking a much closer look at Daredevil. Yeah, I think it's time. It's been a lot of fun taking a look at the movies and the like, but uh, it is it is time to settle back into looking a little bit more at comics and comic history and stuff like that. So I'm pretty excited about it. All right, until February 1st, take care, everybody.
see you soon, folks. Have a great one.